0: so glad that you're joined us and let's pray father we do pray that as we move in into this new section of matthew chapter 17 that you would just bless our hearts with your word and for us to understand that you do desire to work in our lives as we just give the things that we have um, our families um, our needs Lord, everything we give it to you, we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. And I pray that you would just bless this time as we have a few minutes in your word, as we open up uh, Lord Matthew here once again, that we would be encouraged and uplifted and instructed, and that, Lord, we're thankful that uh, we can be here this morning with the online technology, uh, even from our homes, uh, being safe, that we can be blessed by your word And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we are in Matthew, if you'll turn in your Bibles, chapter 17. And we're going to be starting in verse 22 and finish the chapter here this morning. But as we've been going through Matthew and as we go through the Gospels, uh, I love looking at the disciples and reading about them, the 12 disciples that Jesus called, because they were just ordinary men. And uh, they were ordinary men that God used in a very powerful way. And the one disciple that we hear about more than any other, of course, is Peter. And Peter, not only does he interest me and um, really intrigues me, because we see a man that was a fisherman that God used to be a fisher of men. And I like to look at Peter because I think that that many of you can say, uh, like I do at times, that I can relate to Peter. Because Peter, as we see him uh, growing in the Lord, here is someone at one moment that's professing Jesus as the Christ in the boldest and strongest terms, but then later we see him denying the Lord. We'll see that later in Matthew miserably as he denies the Lord three times. He at one moment is being handed over, as we saw recently, the keys of the kingdom, And then the next moment, Jesus is rebuking him, calling him Satan, because you're mindful of the things of man but not of the things of God. Because Peter didn't understand uh, the ramifications of what he was saying when Jesus began to speak about that he was going to go to the cross and be handed over to the chief priests and elders and and is going to suffer many things and be put to death, but rise again after three days. And Peter's going, not so, Lord. He doesn't understand. He would, of course, come to understand that. We know that at one moment, as we've seen in Matthew, that Peter is walking on the water. And then the next moment, as he is focused on the storm around him and, and the waves crashing against him, he's sinking in those same waters. He would have such incredible insight as he would say to Jesus, you have the words of eternal life there in John chapter 6. And then another moment, as we saw recently, that he would talk, not knowing what he was saying, up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, having to be corrected by the Father. Peter, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And I also like Peter just by the fact that he's a fisherman. And I like that, that Jesus used fishermen to, you know, advance his kingdom, to be his apostles. And I remember reading one reference at one time or hearing a reference that historically Peter was called the giant. I've also heard a reference of his brother Andrew that was uh, described as being a big guy, you know, just, you know, a, a big man. And I picture Peter who was probably... Uh, Maybe the oldest, some historians believe, and scholars of the disciples. John was the youngest. But I just picture Peter as this big, burly fisherman. And we see that God would call him, and by God's grace and working, he would become great in the faith. He uh, was one that we know that became a leader in the early church. We see that in the book of Acts. He got up and he preached on the day of Pentecost. Um, he was incredible and uh, had incredible faith. And, and we see this as we see how he would grow in the Lord and be used of the Lord. And in our text before us, we're going to see that Jesus is going to do another miracle for the world's best known fishermen in history. And as you go through the Gospels, we see that Jesus did a number of miracles for Peter. And Jesus didn't do those miracles just to show Peter that he can do miracles, but to teach Peter and to teach us as well as those miracles are recorded in God's word, some eternal and spiritual lessons that are beneficial to us. For example, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus asked Peter to borrow his boat. And Peter, I want you to row out just a little way from the shore and He would preach to the people. He would preach to the multitude. And after he was done preaching, we know that he would then turn to Peter and say, Peter, now I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And and Peter said, Lord, um, as Peter kind of protested, um, that we toiled all night and we caught nothing. You just, and I imagine Peter just thinking, you just take care of the preaching. I'll take care of the fishing. And you would fish at night. Uh, when the fish would come up in, in the day, the fish would go down where it was cooler in the deep. You don't fish during the day. But nevertheless, at your word, Peter would say, and he rode out to the deep, and they laid down their nets. And you know the story that it was such a large catch to where the nets were breaking, and, and Jesus, um, working that miracle for Peter, Peter would say, Lord, um, You know, depart from me, a sinful man, as Peter was overwhelmed. And we also know that Jesus would respond by saying, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You know, the Lord desires for us to be used of him. And Peter, of course, that promise was given, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And Peter, of course, preaching on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 got saved. And then a little bit later, you see that he's preaching in Jerusalem in the early church in the early days and 2,000 more got saved. That's quite a haul. But the Lord desires for us as we learn to be faithful in the little things. Uh, Peter just row out just a little bit so I can preach to the multitude that has gathered on the shore. And the Lord will be faithful in the big things. And as we are faithful in the little things, he's going to tell us at times, I want you to go deeper. I want you to go out to the deep and watch me work. We saw that Peter walked on water not long ago. And as he was in that storm with the other disciples, Jesus came walking on the water. And we know that uh, Peter said, If it's you, Lord, command me to come. And Jesus said, Come. And he stepped out of the boat and he's walking on the water a complete miracle. But then he got his eyes off of the Lord, and it tells us that, that he began to, to, to focus on and to uh, notice the winds blowing against him and the rain and, and the waves, and he began to sink, and the Lord uh, would lift him out of the water and plop him back into the boat. But he was teaching Peter that in the storms of life, that you keep your eyes on me, we need to know that lesson as well. You remember that earlier in Matthew that we saw that that Jesus coming back with Peter from the synagogue that uh, they went to Peter's house and Peter's mother-in-law had a fever and the Lord healed her of that fever and the Lord was showing him just as he desires for us to know that I'll take care of your family and another miracle that Jesus did was uh, we see uh, at the end of Jesus life when he was arrested there in the garden And he would begin a series of trials that would lead him to going to the cross. And it was Peter that was trying to be so brave for Jesus and had determined and and had announced there in that upper room that I'll never leave you, I'll stand by you, I'll die for you. And I think Peter, of course, out of the flesh and his own energies, was trying to own up to that and doing his best. And he pulls out a sword. And he cuts off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest. And Jesus picked up Malchus's ear and put it back on the side of his head and healed him. And said, Peter, put the sword away. Don't you know that I can call down 12 legions of angels? And Peter, I'm going to take the cup, the cup of suffering and death that the Father has given me to, to take. And Peter, I'm going to go to the cross. And it was something that Peter and the other disciples didn't understand clear up into the crucifixion of Jesus. It wasn't until after the resurrection that the last miracle that Jesus did for Peter, for the disciples, for you and for me. To resurrect from the grave. And that's why Jesus came to this world. And that's the message that we are going to proclaim here in just a few weeks as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They didn't understand that even though Jesus is speaking of his uh, crucifixion, And we're going to see that as we pick up our text. Verse 22 of chapter 17. Let's read it now. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. So they didn't really comprehend the glorious triumph of He was going to resurrect from the grave, die for their sins. They're exceedingly sorrowful because all they're thinking about is, hey, he's going to die. They're thinking he's going to usher in the kingdom. And we're going to see next week that they're going to be asking him, who is great in the kingdom of God? And that's going to be a theme clear up until the, the night that Jesus is arrested. They're arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. But they're thinking, you know, he's going to die. Why is he talking about that? And matter of fact here, we see that Jesus speaks for the very first time that the Son of Man is about to be betrayed. They didn't understand that either. Betrayed. Earlier, when he first spoke about what his mission was to go to the cross, that he said, I'll be handed over to the chief priests and elders and suffer many things uh, at their hands, and I'm going to die and then rise again. But here now he's talking about... He's going to be betrayed. And even in that upper room when he says, my betrayer is at hand. One of you will betray me. They didn't understand that. They're going, who is it? Is it I? Is it me? And they had no idea it was going to be Judas. So here they, they didn't understand the mission of Jesus clear up until the crucifixion, until after the resurrection. And they would understand that Jesus went to the cross to die for their sins as he took on the cup of suffering and death, and he rose again. And Peter would write, a course, towards the end of his life that he would write that now we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as we continue here, uh, we read in verse 24, when they had come to Capernaum... Uh, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? I just imagine who these guys are, these guys that would collect taxes for the temple. Doesn't your master, you know, pay taxes? And, of course, the religious leaders doing that, they're only trying once again to try to find fault with Jesus and his disciples. So the Jews, as we know, were required to pay what was called the temple tax, This tax was not to the Roman Empire, but it was a tax that was paid to the temple that was in Jerusalem. And it was for the upkeep of the temple. It would provide for the priests to do temple ministry. And you may recall in Exodus chapter 30 that it was instructed by the Lord when they were out there in the wilderness that every male over the age of 20 was to give a half a shekel to the tabernacle at that time and now the temple. And these men who collected this tax, not to be confused with the tax collectors who collected taxes for Rome, such as Matthew did before he was converted and followed Jesus. Matter of fact, Matthew is the only one that records this event here. And here in Matthew chapter 17, these are ones collecting taxes for the temple. Hey, you, Peter... Your teacher doesn't he pay the temple tax? And Peter answered them in verse 25, he said, Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes, from their sons or from strangers? And Peter said to him, From strangers? And Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea. "'Cast out a hook and take the fish that comes up first. "'And when you have opened its mouth, "'you will find a piece of money. "'Take that and give it to them for me and for you.'" So Peter was outside somewhere. Perhaps he's taking the trash out. And all of a sudden, these guys watching him come over and approach him and ask him about this tax. And Peter answers these guys, and he as he says, "'Yeah, you know, he, he pays the temple tax.'" probably just wanting to get rid of them, to to blow these guys off. And then he comes into the house, which, could it be Peter's house? And we've talked about that phrase when Jesus was in the house. He was in the house, and he came out, and he began to speak parables to the people. Was it Peter's house? Matter of fact, when you go to Capernaum through the ruins today, uh, Capernaum's right there on the shores of the, the Sea of Galilee, and Peter lived there, so he probably lived just a couple hundred feet uh, from the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And as he's there, the town of Jesus, Capernaum, and Jesus probably spent more time in Peter's house than any other home. And Peter probably is thinking that the matter is over, but Jesus knew what had happened. And this really shows me something. And that is, he knows everything that goes on in our lives. He knows the words that we speak. He knows the conversations that we have in the home and out of the home. He knows our thoughts, and we need to always remember that, that he sees everything. He hears everything. And the Bible has a lot to say to us Christians about how we speak. And that includes not only the words that we speak, but also how it is that, you know, we converse with others, maybe through social media. Uh, what do we put on social media? You know, emails, um, all those different things. And the Bible talks about how our speech is to be seasoned with grace. Matter of fact, we know that Paul says something very important. Proverbs talks about, you know, the words that we speak. And and, and to be careful uh, in that but I know that uh, as we look at Ephesians chapter 5 this is a very important verse for us to memorize I think that Paul writes let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers so we're to let no corrupt word proceed out of our mouths and that includes email, social media that includes you know, uh, notes that we write the words that we speak and so we need to honestly go to the Lord and say, Lord, how is it my speech? Is it seasoned with grace? Is, is it edifying? Is it building people up or is it tearing people down? And the Lord cares about the words that we speak. Is it pleasing to the Lord? James would write in his epistle about the tongue, how the tongue is like a fire that can do so much damage with the words that we speak, that six ounces of muscle that is in our mouth. So we need to constantly be guarding our our mouths and we need to constantly be relying on the Lord. Lord, I want my speech to be edifying. I want my speech to be building up, not just always being critical and coming down on people and corrupt words and blasphemous words and perverted words, any of those things that ought not to be as a Christian. So Peter had spoken to the tax collectors. He says, yeah, he pays the taxes. He comes into the house, and and it says here that Jesus anticipated him saying, or again, Peter is interrupted by Jesus. Uh, We saw that Peter was interrupted earlier in the chapter by the father. Now he's interrupted by the son. What do you think, Simon? And I find it interesting that he calls him Simon at this point. Remember at Caesarea Philippi, the previous chapter that simon bar jonah now your name is peter petros a little stone and simon uh, is interesting perhaps uh, derived from simeon from the old testament and simeon his name means hearing to hear so he heard from the father now he's going to hear from the son And now the Lord desires to get Peter to think about what he said. Hey, Simon, from who do the kings of the earth take custom or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? And Peter will be, um, you know, Peter, is it the king that goes through the castle knocking on the doors of his kids, telling them to pay up? You have to pay taxes to, to dad? No. When the kids, having four kids, and when they were small years ago, Whenever they went to a birthday party or maybe it was a harvest festival, uh, something like that, and they came home with candy or whatever, goodies, cookies, I used to tease them. I used to say, okay, now you have to pay taxes to dad, and they go, oh, dad, you know, this is our candy or whatever, but here... We know that as Jesus is asking Peter this question, the, the answer is, is obvious. It's the strangers that pay taxes to the king, not the children. The king's tax taxes the citizen of the nation. But Jesus is getting Peter and the other disciples to understand this. That he is exempt from paying taxes to the temple since he is the external son of God. Remember back in chapter 12 of Matthew that Jesus had declared to the Pharisees that there is one that is coming uh, here that is among you that is greater than the temple. Of course, he was referring to himself. But Peter, lest we offend them, we will pay the temple tax. Now, Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 14 has a lot to say. And also, as he wrote to the Corinthians about we as Christians, in our liberty, that out of love we don't want to stumble the weaker brother or sister. And, and that is something that we have to really pray through. We don't want to stumble the weaker brother or sister. Peter, we're going we're gonna to pay the taxes so we don't stumble these guys so we can be blameless. And this is how we're going to pay the taxes um, or the tax to the temple. Jesus tells Peter to do it in a very unusual way. This shekel that will pay the tax for me and for you, this is what you're to do, Peter. Take a hook and a line, cast it out. Remember, the sea is just right there full of fish. Now, we know that uh, as we think about it, perhaps you might be thinking, okay, that's, that's you know a usual way to fish. That's how we fish here in Colorado. But that wasn't the way they fished back there. And I think most of us know that, that they fished with nets they, they would fish with uh, a net that a single guy would have, or they had these big drag nets that would be between two boats. But they didn't fish with a hook and a line. And I can picture Peter out there that he's there with this line and this hook, and he's casting out there on the shore. And Peter was known as a fisherman, of course, uh, grew up on that lake, his brother Andrew. Matter of fact, from Luke chapter 5, we do know That Peter was in business, Peter and Andrew, with James and John. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, the indication in scripture is they had a successful fishing business because John knew the high priest in Jerusalem. Probably it is suspected because they had a fish stand there in Jerusalem. And so the high priest knew them. They provided fish for them. So they had a successful business. And Peter went into business with James and John until Luke chapter 5. Then they left all and they followed after Jesus. But here, can you imagine? It took real humility for Peter to to throw out a line with a hook on it, and the guys that perhaps saw him are thinking, what's up with Peter? Why is he fishing with a, with a hook and a line and, a, and the end of a stick and, um, you know, fishing in that way? And they're probably snickering and making fun of him. I just picture it, these guys um, making fun of Peter, looking down on him. But not only did it take humility for Peter to do this, but it also took a lot of faith for Peter to do what, what Jesus told him to do. The scriptures here doesn't tell us what the outcome was, that Peter actually did what Jesus said. But the implication, I think, is certainly there. And I believe that Peter did do what the Master told him to do. It was earlier, remember, as he heard the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son, hear him up there on that mountain. And even though this was an unusual way for God to provide here, Peter obeyed the voice of the Son, and in faith, Cast out his line, caught that fish, opened his mouth, and there was a coin. I think there's a men's ministry here of some sort. That, that, you know, if I said, guys, let's go on a fishing trip, and you're going to catch a fish, and each one of you guys, the first one that comes up, open his mouth, and there's going to be a silver dollar or something you know if i said that of course you would think that um that i was kidding and all of that and and uh, or lost it uh, but here is jesus saying that and peter obeyed in faith hearing the voice of the son and god did provide for him he humbled himself and in god providing for you and for me listen this is important there is a time where we have to and need to humble ourselves and obey his word given to us. And in faith, we trust the Lord. Your word is is true to me, Lord. I hear your word in this particular area of my life and this commandment given to me in this truth that is proclaimed in your word. And I may not understand how it's all going to work out, but I know that it will work for me because your word is true. And if any of us desire for God to provide for us, we've got to trust in him and you've got to humble yourself. I need to humble myself and, and not doubt his word given to us. And then move out in faith when his word declares to us, no matter what others think. If they're snickering at you and putting you down, they might come along and say, why are you doing it this way? Or why are you going in that direction? This is what I would do. This is what everybody else is doing. Here's an easier way. And Peter obeyed the voice of the Lord because we know this to be true, many of us. Sometimes we'll read God's word, the commandments, the precepts, the truths, the direction that we're to go, his word given to us, And we think, Lord, I don't know if that's going to work. And I've had people sit up in my office and tell me, as we've gone and looked at the Word of God, this is what God's Word says about your situation, how He wants to work in your life. And they say, well, that's not going to work for me. I think I need to go another direction. And it grieves me when I hear that. Because there's not a humbling of themselves and desiring to move out in faith and obedience to the Lord. So humility comes first, and then walking in faith. And it would be years after this event here in Matthew chapter 17 that Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7, after talking about humility and how we are to humble ourselves, that he then says in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And that word casting, you know, it's, it's like uh, they would cast the nets out there. And here's this fisherman that's encouraging the Christians that were going through difficult times. That he says that you are to cast, throw out, throw upon the Lord your cares, your worries, your needs, your concerns. And I like that. Because if I keep carrying those concerns and cares, it begins to weigh me down but I'm to cast them upon the Lord. And the reason is, is because He cares for us. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Trust in Him. Wait on Him. And you won't be so weighed down and you will see the Lord working in your life and that His word is true. Peter, I'm sure, would cast out that line and he would catch a fish and open its mouth and there would be a shackle. And Lord, you are showing me that you do provide for me. And Lord, you've shown me that you care for my family as you came and you healed my mother-in-law. That, Lord, that you do help me when I'm sinking in the trials and difficulties and the problems of life. You pulled me out of the water when I was there sinking in the storm. Lord, you're the one that blesses me. And Lord, you're the one that protects me. And I'm going to keep trusting you and casting my cares upon you because you do care for me in every way. And that's such a simple verse to, to memorize. Casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. And I pray that that is a verse that we tuck away in our hearts knowing this. He wants us to cast our cares on him and to know that his word is true. We may not understand how it's all going to work. But Lord, I know that your word is true for me, and nothing is too difficult for you. Remember, if you join us in our Jeremiah study that the Lord told Jeremiah, nothing is too hard, you know, for the Lord. Nothing's too hard for me, Jeremiah. And that he desires to show us his faithfulness and his goodness, his provision for us as he works in our lives. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for this vignette told to us. Recorded in Matthew as he's inspired to, to record this for all eternity for our benefit and encouragement. And so, Lord, I do pray you keep everyone safe here as we're having this storm come through the weekend and, and, Lord, that as we begin to dig out and start our week that you would help us. But we would also remember this, that we can cast our cares upon you because you care for us. And, Lord, that we would be ones that, that we would trust in your word. We would humble ourselves. No matter what people are saying to us or how they're maybe putting us down or snickering at us or questioning us, challenging us, that, Lord, that we would know that your word is true and you are faithful to your word and to your promises, that your precepts, your commands are true for us. And we wouldn't doubt that, that you desire to provide for us, to work for us, Lord, to for us to, to keep casting our cares upon you because you do care for us and you want to work in our lives. So, Lord, encourage us with this. And, Lord, I pray that you would just help those right now that as they are casting their cares upon you, they may not understand how it's all going to work, but day by day, trusting in you and resting in your love. Father, I pray for everyone here that that, Lord, we look forward to the days ahead as we head towards Resurrection Weekend, that we would really just be sensitive to your leading and inviting somebody to come out. We pray that as a church, we thank you for this last year as we've maneuvered through the pandemic, that you would just keep us safe, continue to provide for us, help us as we are moving forward in not only services but Uh, other things that are taking place here as we move forward in Vacation Bible School, the Children's Festival, that you would just put on the hearts of the people to help. And, and Lord, that we would receive those kids because we are going to see next week how important children are to you, so valuable to you. I pray that, Lord, that uh, you would help, um, just help us in every way, whatever our needs are, concerns are. Lord, uh, to always have hope and trust and rest in you and your word declared to us. I do pray, Lord, that we would be ones used to give the gospel to others that Jesus Christ did go to the cross at Calvary and died for their sins and rose again, and that he is our salvation. Our only salvation is through Jesus Christ, faith in him, knowing that he died on the cross. For our sins and rose again and conquered sin and death, that we would give that message of a living hope that comes through Jesus Christ as death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, I I pray that if there is anyone listening here by chance, a family member, give your life to Jesus. He promised eternal life and a new heart and a new spirit and a new beginning to come into a new family to belong to a new kingdom, an eternal kingdom, an eternal family. As you come to Jesus Christ and ask him into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. And the invitation is to come. To come even maybe perhaps in this snowstorm that we're going through, that as you're listening online, to be able to pray and say, Jesus, I come to you and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I believe you died for me, and you rose again, and I come and ask you to be my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for going to the cross for me. And so now I just come in faith, asking you to be my personal Lord and Savior for this new beginning, this new hope I have, a new spirit put within me. Thank you for bringing me into the family of God. And Lord, I pray that you bless everyone here now. Looking forward to when we meet again next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay safe. Hope to see you next week. God bless you.